are listening to Meet and Write, a podcast that dives into liturgical worship and how communion really begins after church. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Meet and Write podcast. We're happy to have you here and we're excited to have with us once again, Chris Estefanos. He's a good friend of mine. So uh, welcome, Chris. We're glad to have you back here again. Thank you, Father Nathaniel, for having me on again. I love being part of this podcast. Well, today I'd like for us to talk about a segment of liturgy that a lot of us do. We know, you know, what time of liturgy we do this thing, but we really don't know why are we doing it and what in the world does this have to do with the big end picture of having communion with God. And this, as the title of this podcast says, that there is kissing involved in liturgy. As awkward as that might sound, there's kissing involved. So there is a part in the very beginning of the Liturgy of the Faithful when we're praying the prayer of reconciliation, us reconciling with God, that the deacon tells us, everyone greet one another with the holy kiss. And then we do this gesture to the person to the left of us, right of us, maybe in front of us, behind us, and we do this gesture as a body together. So my first question for you, Chris, where in the world did this come from? Or what's the history of this gesture that we do in celebrating the Eucharist? Well, Buna, I, I actually totally loved looking into this. I found it to be so educational. So the, the history of actually kissing as a, as, a, as a form of greeting in the Greco-Roman times kind of, it kind of applies to how we incorporate it into the church. Um, so there's this historian named uh, Dr. Phillips that basically was saying that in the Greco-Roman times, people that were close in social rank, people that were uh, friends, people that had a mutual respect with one another, when they would see each other, they would kiss each other. And this kiss was kind of, you know, in the modern era, we would find it to be really weird, but they would actually kiss on the lips. And what they believed was is it was a breathing of a, of a spirit into each other. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it's misunderstood in the common times, but in the former times, in the Greco-Roman times, if somebody kissed another person, it would mean that I respect you. I have oneness with you. I'm close to you. I share the same um, sort of values as you. Um, and it was considered inferior uh, with those who basically didn't have the same status as you or didn't have the same values as you did. So, for example, like a slave um, at the time wouldn't be able to go to his master and kiss him because they weren't in the same rank or the same friendship or the same intermingling with one another. Um, so that in the Greco-Roman times was a, was a very uh, common way of greeting one another. And in the scriptures, uh, you see almost five times in the scriptures and by St. Paul talking to the Romans, the Corinthians, the Thessalonians, he tells them to greet one another with a holy kiss. Um, and actually St. Peter says it as well, greet one another with a holy kiss. Um, so it's, it's, it, you see that the common historical action that was done in Greco-Roman times also was carried into the church, um, but it had a different meaning in the church. And and you bring a good point, Chris, is, is, you know, we see this being practiced from the very early centuries and, for, and within the first century, really, uh, of church, of, of this being practiced to show camaraderie, to show unison. And as you mentioned, Chris, this was already being practiced in the cultural component of society. And then the church used that, embedded that as a gesture in celebrating the Eucharist of showing unison. 
like you mentioned, I mean, St. Paul mentions it dozens of times in his letters to these different cities to greet one another with a holy kiss. We even have a record of Justin the Martyr, one of the first early Christians around the year 154. In his record and documentation of celebrating the liturgy, he writes down of, 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 of Christians greeting one another uh, with a holy kiss as they're celebrating the Eucharist. So going along, Chris, with what I mentioned about Justin the Martyr writing that, you know, how did this practice actually look like in, in those early centuries? Is it close to what we're doing now or different? What exactly did it look like in the early centuries? Yeah, in the early centuries, uh, there's there's a great book by uh, a Catholic priest named Robert Taft. Um, and the book is called The Great Entrance. And he talks about the historical practice of what it was looked like in the early church. So in his book, he says, basically, at every Christian gathering, there was an exchange of this kiss. And, you know, it was immediately after the liturgy of the word, usually in purpose. Um, and you'd read the readings, you'd be part of the, you know, hear the gospel, you'd hear a sermon. And then somewhere along the line from the liturgy of the word to the liturgy of the faithful, there was this, you know, almost this uh, announcement from the deacon to tell each other to, to greet one another with a holy kiss. Um, and it, it was a sign of fraternal love, a sign of, you know, a sealing of Christian unity. Um, and in the earliest times, you would see, actually, there's, a, there's a, an interesting story in one of the lives of the saints of St. Mary of Egypt. And it's not in our Coptic Syndicarium, but it's an Eastern Orthodox Church's, you know, description of, the, of, of her life. Um, and she says that when, uh, before St. Zosima gave her communion when she was in the desert, he greeted, she greeted him with a holy kiss. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it was almost like a common occurrence that, you know, before receiving the Eucharist, you have to greet somebody who was with you in in partaking of this sacrament with a holy kiss. Mm -hmm. um, so it seems that at some point when the the church was uh, about to partake of Eucharist, there was always this this practice. Um, and early on, it was men and women greeting one another with a kiss. And it's, you know, from the earliest understanding, they actually kissed each other on the lips. Um, and there was no lust intended there was no inappropriateness of it there was nothing in that nature that was how holy the church was mm. and as we know when when christianity became legal through the edict of milan basically a lot of people joined the church because it was the it was the the the, the faith of the of the empire so the church started to realize like hey listen we can't we can't do this we can't have people kissing each other if they're not of the same gender if they don't understand the context if they don't understand what the purpose is so they started to separate it um where women would greet each other and men would greet each other um but this this practice of kissing each other prior to um receiving the eucharist was very important in the early church um and it doesn't necessarily always mean uh, it's related to reconciling one another. There seems to be something further than just a reconciliation or making peace with each other. It seems to indicate something that was far deeper, a oneness, a sharing of spirit, a sharing of, 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 of life with one another. So it, 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 there's something deep beyond just the greeting that is supposed to elicit something within us that motivates us to, uh, to do this when we're practicing in the common uh, in the current era of the church. And just like many other things that we, we, we practice or exercise in liturgy is we're doing something externally 
to remind us of something internally. So it, it, the gesture within itself doesn't mean much if I'm greeting one another in whatever way that is practiced in your church. What, what's more important is, is that reflecting a divine truth, which is me having unison with the body of Christ of all of us coming together as broken people, all of us wanting to be one with our Savior. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and the beauty is that multiple people commented, multiple early church fathers, St. Cyril of Jerusalem, St. John Chrysostom. Um, you know, St. John, John Chrysostom says um, there is definitely a reconciliatory aspect of the kiss of peace when exchanged in the Eucharist. Um, but he says Christians were first to seek peace with their brethren for the kiss of peace was provided. Then they could approach the sacrifice worthily. So this is this is embedded in in his sermons, embedded in how he taught that you got to have oneness with your brother. You got to share the same spirit in order to partake of the oneness with Christ. So I can't I can't echo uh, that more clearly. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying that of how important it is of, of us doing that external gesture to remind us of that internal truth. And we see that being practiced in, in the early church. But, you know, why is that so relevant to us today? I mean, couldn't we just say, yeah, we all get along. Maybe there's some people in church that we like more than others. But, you know, why couldn't we just, you know, go along with that? Like, why is it so relevant for us to continue to practice that today? You know, Abuna, I, I think this is the problem with us in the modern context of the church. We're, we're so quick to ask God for forgiveness. We're so quick to say the Lord's Prayer. We're so quick, quick to practice so many of these things without trying to understand what it is that God is trying to teach us through it. Um, and I think sometimes we forget the parable of the two debtors, you know, where one person owed his master a small amount and his ma a large amount and his master forgave him. And then he went on to uh, be super angry with the person who owed his, him money and put him in prison and did all these different things. I feel like sometimes we don't understand that allegory of that parable to us, that God loves us and God, you know, accepts us and he's forgiven us for so much. Um, and that should translate to us forgiving others around us. So many of us come into church on Sunday and have bitterness in our hearts, have anger towards our brothers, are fighting with members of our family. And we don't even consider for a second when greeting people in the congregation that, hey, Maybe I should listen to what Matthew chapter five says is that before I pr present my offering at the altar and if I ha if I have anything against my brother and sister, I should go out, leave the gift in front of the altar and reconcile with them and then come back and offer my gift. But yeah. somewhere along the lines, we've forgotten this this understanding that in order to be united with God, we have to be united with one another. You know, I, I love what you're saying, Chris, and, and someone taught me years ago is the idea of in order for me to move forward on being one with God, thinking in a vertical way, for me to becoming one with God at heaven, I first have to make sure that I'm good with people horizontally. Like I have to make sure that I'm one with the person to the left and right of me in, in a symbolic way. Maybe the person sitting next to you in church, maybe you're all good with, but maybe there's other people that you come to church with, but maybe that you don't get along with. Maybe it's time for us to kind of look at where I'm at with them horizontally in order for me to move forward and uniting with God vertically. And that's why you kind of see this in the beginning of the church or in the beginning of, of, the, of the Eucharist for us celebrating this, that we do this first, that we have to reconcile to one another in order for us to continue to move forward and reconciling with God by celebrating the Eucharist. 
So Chris, my, my, my last question for you is when we're actually practicing this in liturgy and we are hearing from the deacon that we should be greeting one another with the holy kiss, what on earth should I be thinking about during this time? You know, instead of me just getting locked in and doing the motions and just that's the time for me to move around and say hi and whatever, what should exactly I be thinking about during that time? I think that's a that's a fantastic question, Abuna. I think the big thing is that we should be considering what's happening in the liturgy. You know, and in the beginning of that part, it's, that's the prayer of reconciliation where God basically, Abuna is praying a prayer which is telling us about what God did to reconcile us to himself, that he saw that we were living so far away from, uh, from him, living in darkness, living in the deception of what the devil had overtaken us and, and caused us to, to, to shy away and turn our backs on him. But he came and restored us and reached out to us and took flesh and dwelt among us. And it's, it's then at that moment that there is something happened in the altar where, you know, the, the priest is, is holding a veil. And then on the other side of the altar, a deacon is holding a cross. And it's once that veil is torn, that that separation that we had created from us and God, that we are now reconciled to God and then reconciled to one another. So what we should be thinking is, man, is there anyone in my life that I haven't reconciled with? And how much has God done to demonstrate his forgiveness towards me? What more does he have to do to demonstrate to me over and over again that he takes me back with open arms, that there's nothing that separates me from his love, that there's nothing that would, that would prevent me from being to, able to approach him? And he's demonstrated that through his incarnation. So what I have to be doing is he's, he's giving me an opportunity at that moment to say, hey, I've restored you back to me. I've taken flesh and carried you on my shoulders and brought you back to where you were supposed to be. Now it's your role to go and do the same with your brother, to, 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 to bridge that gap between you and him that you might have had. Whatever anger, whatever dispute, whatever hardship you've had with your brother, reconcile it in the same way that I've done towards you. You know, so so we have to at that moment, it has to be a, a challenge to us. Is there someone in my life that I'm angry with? Is there someone that I'm that has hurt me? And what can I do to bridge that gap between he and I or she and I? I, I love that, Chris. And because a lot of us, a lot of us might be struggling with with individualism that, you know, you know what? I'm not going to worry about this person. I'm going to come to church and do my thing with God. And I'm just in my own little bubble. And we come to church in this jet out. But us practicing and actually living out that gesture of greeting one another with a holy kiss is forcing me to come out of my selfishness. Then it's allowing me or inviting me to extend God's love, not only to myself and me and God, but it forcing me to extend that to others. So I, I love the, uh, what, what you're saying, Chris, and, and I love that the church gives us that to not only do physically, but for us to live that out in our day to day life. Thank you so much, Chris, for your time and for uh, and allowing us to for you to come on Meet and Write. Thank you. Thank you, Buna, for having me. You have been listening to Meet and Write. For more episodes and resources, make sure to check out CopticHymnsInEnglish.com.